listening to the You're Smarter Than Us podcast, Asheville's premier soccer podcast. Welcome back to another episode of You're Smarter Than Us. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm very excited to welcome back to the podcast a, a longtime friend, personal, and a friend of the pod, Zach Hines. But for the first time, we are welcoming Zach onto the podcast as the commissioner of the first flight league. Zach, how are you doing, sir? Hey, Uh, no, I'm great. Um, It's been a a crazy day that they're recording this, but um, I'm excited to talk about first flight league and for the first time, really talking on the other side of the table instead of being on the, like the media side, really get into some, some cool stuff that we've been doing. Fantastic. And I also have with us a member of the first flight league um yokuba how how are you sir i'm great team how are you fantastic and yokuba is the owner is that correct head coach yes, sir. of uh the goldsboro strike eagles down on the eastern end of the state and between the three of us we're going to talk a little bit about the first flight league what it is how it's operating and why it is right for the clubs that are participating in it zach um, let's take a step back. Uh, this was something, it's a little bit of a pet project. It's a little bit of something that I think we lightly mentioned it, maybe on one of our podcasts, maybe on the TriSoc pod when we did kind of the uh, state round table. But, but what is the First Flight League? So the First Flight League is a, uh, a statewide club-focused adult amateur pro development league. It's a lot of words to, to just basically say um, we wanted to create a avenue for local clubs to take that next step up to the next level of play um, to, to play across the state and um, and then eventually go up to a regional level to, to create that next platform because North Carolina has kind of had a couple of regional leagues and national leagues um, um, throughout the years but there hasn't been something specific to North Carolina where it focuses on the issues that the clubs here in the state have. How is this different than the summer leagues that a lot of our listeners may be aware of and have local teams that are competing in? When you say local clubs, are you talking the size of Asheville City? Are you talking about the U23s of NCFC? I'm actually going a little bit further down than that. I'm talking about the, the local league level. So like the, the Triangle Area Soccer League, the Asheville Buncombe Adult Soccer Association, um, Metro Lina down in Charlotte, those um, local leagues uh, that also called like Sunday leagues, things things like that, the La Ligas that that um, happen across the state. Uh, more of talking about those leagues and providing those clubs a next, uh, an affordable next step up. When you say affordable, what what are we talking about? So the so the big difference between some of maybe some of the uh, summer summer leagues and I'll, I'll start off again here by saying that we are um, we are launching a full season, a full year season. Um, it'll be running from March through November, um, so it's longer and a little bit more spread out than the three to four month window that the USL League Twos or the NPSLs some of your uh, listeners may be more familiar with. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as the affordable goes. Um, we really want to be club focused and offer that affordable um, entry point for those clubs as they rise up the levels here in North Carolina. Um, so no no expansion fees, uh, low seasonal season fee costs, and um, and and really just like a, 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 a platform in which the clubs can 
thrive without having to be gouged for money, for lack of a better term. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, there were some numbers that came out pretty recently, too, that one of those summer leagues, um, you know, you were looking at a $16,000 expansion fee and uh, $5,000 annual fees. So no expansion fees and, re- uh, you know, a reasonable participation fee, uh, I definitely would imagine would draw some eyes to it. Uh, what what what's coming along with joining the league though I think um, you know especially in Asheville we experienced um, you know the the joys of the NPSL um, you know it's a little wild wild west uh, we moved into USL League two and we kind of uh, you know on our announcement got to experience a little bit sharper graphic design support from the league. Um, you know, there's a website that's a little bit fancier than what the NPSL was providing. What sort of infrastructure is already built out for the First Flight League? Uh, great question. It really, we're at, at, at its core. First Flight League is a grassroots league, and the clubs will be driving a lot of um, a lot of their needs of for how the league um, operates. Um, from my joining the league, um, I can offer. Uh, graphic some graphic design support, um, creating highlight reels if teams have the uh, uh, video and audio available. Um, so we're, we're we're building some of that that base infrastructure, but we're trying to get as much club input to see exactly what clubs would appreciate and where we could put our focus. Because um, we're it, the league is a nonprofit league. Uh, with four board members and me as commissioner, and currently right now that's about all the uh, the front office there is for the league. So there's so really just like getting getting our legs and and starting to find out what exactly clubs are going to want and need as that infrastructure. Who are the four clubs that are currently announced? Uh, so the four clubs are um, Union FC down in uh, Monroe, club in the Metro of Charlotte, uh, Greensboro International FC um, up in Greensboro. And um, Lasers SC, um, South Raleigh in the Garner area, and then Yakoba with Goldsboro Strike Eagles FC in Goldsboro. So Yakoba, why? Can you tell me a little bit about Goldsboro? Um, what you guys are doing in your community? And I want to uh, drop a quick plug for the non-league America. A documentary that was done. Um, Steve and, and that crew just do amazing work. Um, I'm quite partial to some of the ones they've done, but I have to admit, sir, the I don't know whether it's just that uh, you guys are based in North Carolina, so I always I already feel a little bit of bias towards you. But that <laughs> that that one just I mean it moved me. I was excited. Um, I, I watched it again right before we started to recording. Not not even to be on top of the knowledge, but uh, just to kind of get me pumped. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the Strike Eagles and what you guys are doing in your community? Absolutely, Tim. And uh, thank you for having me in the um, you know the podcast and uh, uh, discussing all these matters. And uh, shout out to uh, Stephen Jamisa that um, sh- you know shot this documentary on us here in Goldsboro. And uh, like you said, they did a phenomenal job. Um, background it took it took about two years for these guys to produce this thing and um you're talking about flying out here filming going back coming and it took a lot of work and um, mm-hmm. we really appreciate all that and you know it all goes to you guys too um zach on his side that does a lot of promoting to north carolina clubs around here uh it goes unnoticed but 
people like us, owners and coaches, we recognize stuff like that. Just like you, team, what you're doing is phenomenal. Just trying to link up, you know, teams from one end to another. Like you said, unknown teams like us here, we get to have a platform like yours to come and speak about us. Um, and we really appreciate it. I needed to say that before I actually get into the <laughs> subject. Of, you know, Ghost Absolutely. Ghost, yeah, Ghostboro Strike Eagles is, um, you know, it, it came it came out in the idea and it all ties into the to the state where, you know, I believe that there's a lot of talent, not only here in Ghostboro, but all over the state that is not getting any kind of platform to uh, to showcase themselves, whether it's a lack of um, opportunity, whether it's a lack of um, financial means, whether it's a lack of um, personnel, whatever it is. That's what we're trying to fill, that gap to 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 give a, a kid from Goldsboro a chance to play a team in Asheville. Let's say that we play any other league, any other national league. Um, if there's not a team from Asheville that's fielded in that league, that kid would never have a chance to showcase his talent somewhere in Asheville and have a chance to play, you know, on a mm-hmm. higher level in Asheville. So mm-hmm. it all comes, you know, it all comes together in Goldsboro. We are um, focus on making sure that we, we, we give kids that are falling into the crack a chance to perform and actually showcase their talent. I think that's phenomenal. I think there is a, I, I think there's confusion around the correct or may, maybe not incorrect, um, the options players have to reach the different levels of this game. Um, you know, the preconceived notion of the high school to college to professional track in, especially in soccer, that's not a track that's actually used very, very often. Um, You know, you, you'll see players graduate at 22 um, out of college and, you know, a 22 year old soccer player sometimes is, is already behind in his development when, when it's considered, um, you know, the professional academies. But I, the alternative track of community-based clubs is under leveraged. It's it. There needs to be a spotlight shined on it. Um, Yakoba, what what are you guys doing to connect your players to, if not the next level, at, at least giving them? Um, how are you connecting them to those platforms to, uh, to get more eyes on them? And uh, you know, thank you for that question and. That's exactly where um, first flight league would come into uh, into play. Um, I've heard you um, mention earlier um, several like national leagues and whatnot. But if if you think about it, uh, just like I said, um, first flight league at this point here, uh, not to 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 mention or or let some of Zach's plans out. <laughs> we we have teams that are fielding all the way from the mountains all the way till the sea in North Carolina. So what are the chances of a player uh, that plays in PSL or a player that plays, you know, any other league, I'm sorry, I actually mentioned the league, to be seen in Wilson, for example, North Carolina, where there's no MPSL team or there's no UPSL team or there's no MLS team. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's zero. Mm-hmm. What are the chances of somebody in Wilson of seeing an Asheville player, um, that's playing in another league? It's zero. Mm-hmm. But now with the first flight, a Goldsboro player would have a chance to be seen. I'm not going to say Asheville yet, but somewhere in the mountains. So, so, so we're starting to connect things 
here in North Carolina. National level, yes, but why would we build the grassroots movement of making sure that um, from Asheville to Monroe to Charlotte to uh, Raleigh, going all the way back to Wilson, Goldsboro, uh, Greenville, Wilmington. I mean, we've, we, we, you know, from the whole state, we have teams from all these local leagues, from Sunday leagues to um, triangle leagues to, um, you know, any kind of leagues that we have around connect in a higher level and give every single player in North Carolina, whether he comes from, from you know, from the high school level up to the college level or whatnot, how many of these kids can play in in uh, in Charlotte FC? How many of these kids can play in North Carolina FC? How many of these kids can play in that team in Asheville? Mm-hmm. We don't know. But now, here's another thing that's opened up for these big clubs to be able to come and scout these, these kids at the first light league games because mm-hmm. they will be professionally organized there will be teams that are you know professionally coached there will be teams that are you know that are trying to field players that can play anywhere so the, it gives not only the clubs that are playing in the league a chance to showcase talent it gives all these big North Carolina caliber teams to see other players you know without going you know, in a hundred other places, they can just come in one place and see them. And, and that's the beauty of it. Yeah, this is truly a, a grassroots, more soccer is better soccer sort of situation. Zach, what advantage do you have as the commissioner of the First Fight League only having to deal with an infrastructure club's you know, all of the clubs are going to be sanctioned by the North Carolina State Amateur Association, um, not being connected to a national club and not necessarily um, having to abide by the trials and tribulations of um, the larger democracy that often comes with, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of clubs with different agendas and desires and wishes and ambitions. Um, I'll even add on to that as something that has been um, touted as a positive of me coming on is that I haven't been in the system from behind the scenes of any part of the structure and bringing a fresh set of eyes um, into a really moldable environment where we can really take the feedback and act upon it um, really just gives us the freedom to... uh, create something uh, that just can be really special and unique to North Carolina without having the former like biases that have come from potentially operating in other leagues or being managers of, of a league in the past. And um, I think that just having that fresh start is, um, is vital. And for that last question that you were talking to Yakova, I am, um, I have, I have a log line that I've been trying, that I've been trying to, to, to work on because at the, because when we talk about where first flight sits within the sphere of, of soccer in this country, I really want us to focus on, on, on it being a adult development league or a pro development league, whichever term ends up kind of sticking the, the key being the development part. It, this, this league, we, we want to be a stepping stone for players to continue their playing, playing rehab, 
anything like that. But at the end of the day, when youth clubs finish with a player at 18 and then they go off to college or they stop playing, we want to create a platform for players in North Carolina. So when they finish their youth club soccer or high school soccer or even college soccer and don't end up going professional or going overseas, they have a landing spot back in their home communities or their, their communities where they were in and if they stay in their college town where there there is a local club for them to continue playing and have more opportunities to eventually go pro if that is their goal. And I would imagine the ancillary benefit of this is that you're not just producing, you keep saying development and inevitably the American sports fan is going to think players because that is the romantic track that we picture in our heads. You know, they're, Mm -hmm. I, I think it's just interwoven into the tapestry of being an American sports fan that you, you now have the, you know, little league baseball to high school baseball to being drafted and coming up through the minor leagues or, um, the AAUification of the basketball track. Um, but the, Again, like I was mentioning, there is no single template for players of soccer to move up through the ranks. I think there is a um, pre um, a pre prescribed template for maybe your more privileged. Um, I'm just going to say it, white player in this country mm-hmm. who can aff- who can afford travel ball and can afford the overnight tournaments and. Uh, you know, that gets sponsored and everybody knows exactly. Everybody knows a person who went through that track. But for soccer to grow in this country, we can't just produce players. Players are only going to take us so far. And in fact, I think you're seeing the roosters come home. um, What's the saying? Come home to roost. uh, The hens coming home to roost. There you go. Of how the past generation of players, because all we basically produced were players, now you have former players falling back into roles of ownership and coaching. And, you know, your Landon Donovan's, your DeMarcus Beasley's. Um, there's, there's just this glut of former players, um, well-to-do former players, successful former players, falling back into the system and kind of populating front offices. For soccer to truly succeed, we need to produce soccer front offices. We need to produce better refs. We need to produce head coaches. Um, the coaching license system in this country is poor. <laughs> it is confusing. It is not worth the money that it costs to go through it. But the more that we can put forward and the more opportunities we can provide people to move through those, I think this sport has a chance, especially as other sports, you know, specifically baseball becomes more regionalized and God only knows what American football is going to look like in a couple of years. Is it going to go the way of boxing? Who knows what's happening with basketball? So I see these grassroots community clubs as not just an opportunity for players. I mean, that, that I love that that's kind of at the heart and the mission of the clubs, mm-hmm. but the byproduct, the ancillary benefits of it is it's just more places for people to intern. It is more opportunity for people to get into coaching. It is more opportunities for people to find their calling and and build out a robust career based on soccer. 
Can I interject real quick? Absolutely, please. Absolutely. Um, to to your point of the the, the privileged of the privileged na- notion of of soccer here in America, that's where also this grassroots um, community, especially in North Carolina, the, as diverse as North Carolina is, we're already starting to see it form within the Force Flight League of how many um, minority owned, coached, and, um, and and just the amount of players that um, of all diversities exists that within this just forming um, um, in the past couple of months there 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 is um, I want I want to say hope in, in American soccer in in the grassroots level of tilling and fertilizing that seed and letting it grow for players coaches owners that's where the diversity the creativity is is at the grassroots level and it needs support Yukoba, how are you populating your team sheet? Where where are you finding your players in the Goldsboro community? Well, I'll say um, we um, we mostly have players from you know Sunday leagues. Um, you have um, at this point here, we have some you know a fairly a fairly young crew with um, most kids just coming out of high school. And uh, not being able to afford um, uh, travel ball, mm-hmm. so you know we're lucky enough to have them fall onto us. You have lots of other kids that just like the quality of you know what we offer as far as coaching. Um, you see, one of the things that you know people, and I'm and I'm glad, Tim, that you talked about quality coaching and you know all these things around you know how to organize. Um, a soccer team, it's it's something that's really neglected here in uh, in in the U.S. as far as uh, soccer coaching, and uh, uh, people need to people need to give more emphasis on it. You don't you don't just you don't just gather people, and you know it's okay to do it at a certain level when you love the game and gather people and just put them on the field and play. But at some point you have to take an up on yourself and, 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 and be a scholar of the game and learn from, uh, you know, the, uh, the books. I know sometimes, you know, it, it sounds like a big word for people, but I'm just honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, people would need to actually learn, um, the, the, the premises of coaching, the, uh, uh, the, uh, the responsibility of being, a a high level coach going through those licenses. I mean, it's not just going through it as a motion. You know, take a C license and then two months later take a B license. Mm-hmm. No, learn when you take a, a D license. Learn from it a year at least. You know, a year and a half, then move on to a C license and then a B license and so on. It, it seems to still be here, not only in North Carolina but in the U.S. Um, uh, a way to just, you know, um, you know, a way to just put some money in your pocket. You know, I have a C license, I have a B license, and, and, and it grows up on my. People need to actually s- stay where they are, learn from their license, grow up on it, and then move on. Um, so coming back to Goldsboro, that's one of the things that actually attracts the kids because we really try to make sure that. We give them what you know, what any any other high license coach would give. Not just gathering them and just putting them on the field and playing. 
and um, uh, you know expecting for them to produce but giving them that that high level coaching uh, for them to to understand that there is some expectation as far as you know being a good player or you know uh, being a decent player you know there's some some resp- responsibilities that you have to get into it and and you know a whole lot of other stuff that are not addressed when it's just in the Sunday league or when it's just in you know the travel league where you know the, it's it's a parents coaching where it's not in the in the rec league where this you know you just volunteer this coaching so that's one of the things so we get from you know uh, Sunday leagues you know college kids that are you know not getting to play from um, kids that are coming because they they like the quality of coaching and other uh, uh, you know, other players that we actually try to court because we think they do have the talent, but um, they just they just like that, you know, that confidence, that motivation to come in and try to play on the on the on the on the uh, the high level. So it, it's it's really diverse. Yukaba, who has Goldsboro up to this point been playing in Goldsboro? Uh, yeah, who? Uh, what other clubs have you been playing? I've coached. I've coached for um, another local club that's um, it's called Wayne U- Wayne County United. Mm-hmm. Um, they they in the uh, NCYSA league. Um, beside that, um, my background comes from West Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, if I start naming those clubs, you, you better recognize them now, team. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, personally, as my, you know, as I said, background-wise, I've um, I've played up to the national league, um, uh, actually up to the national team, but um, you know, weren't able to you know to to make it up to uh, any kind of professional uh, playing. Uh, you know, I fall into coaching after you know getting injured and not being able to, to play anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, I've coached in the in the college level at school, at home and at the university level and and, and several other teams. So I'm not going to put. I'm not going to get you in trouble. I will not name <laughs> any kind of team in Africa for you. Zach, what will the league look like at the end of this initial book before you kick a ball in the spring for the first time to kick off the inaugural season? What do you hope table looks like? Our goal for the 2021 season is to have 16 teams across North Carolina minimum. Um, and what we're planning to do to really focus on that um, hyper local localized travel and competition is to actually split it between a western and eastern conference um, where you will play your uh, in-conference opponents twice and then your out-of-conference opponents once um, and and that's really what we're shooting for is that 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 nice round number um, and a good initial span of North Carolina. Getting out into the mountains might be a little difficult as it, as it is right now. Um, um, there's a couple of good teams out in Nashville uh, in, their, in their local league, local league, and then kind of in the Winston-Salem, Hickory area, there's a couple of local leagues that we're trying to get in contact with. But for the first, first season, I, um, I would tell everybody to expect most of the um, teams to be around the Charlotte, um, Raleigh, and then the Eastern segment 
of North Carolina. And then year two, expect the map to just explode with local sides um, stepping up um, and a couple of uh, 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 partnerships with maybe some, some clubs around the state coming to fruition. Have you had any conversations with if the league itself is going to be in, if if the clubs within the league are going to be looking internally, have you, as a member of the front office of the league, had any conversations with other leagues to create any sort of um, collaboration? I know NISA is a league that um, is looking to connect with grassroots leagues. Um, you know, there's the Ohio Valley Premier League, there's the Midwest Premier League, Maryland Majors, New York Cosmopolitan League. Um, have any of those leagues reached out to you yet? Uh, Brandon and I are in pretty regular contact um, with the Ohio Valley Premier League um, uh, when First Flight League was first popping up. Actually, even before then, uh, Brandon and I communicated a lot when he was first starting up the Ohio Valley Premier League. And so I have a really good relationship with them and um, maybe some things in the works in the future to include them. Uh, As far as NISA goes, um, conversations have happened and I can't speak on it any more than that. Um, And then... Here locally in North Carolina, um, we've had a couple of conversations with some of the professional teams um, across North Carolina. There are, you know, to maybe to some people's surprise, they quite a few. Um, and we're kind of waiting to see how those partnerships kind of play out. Uh, but for this first year, I haven't specifically targeted the um, the local leagues and creating those partnerships yet because we're on such a short time frame. I want to mainly mm-hmm. been focusing on the established teams of trying to see who all wants to join in. And then over the course of the coming season and then going into uh, 2022, really developing and growing, not just uh, affiliations, but like creating a coalition here in North Carolina of leagues that are all moving in the same direction. Uh, because I, as I believe we've talked about on many a podcast, it's, it serves no purpose of everybody to always be competing against each other. And the only way forward is through cooperation and working together. And, and we certainly can't expect that at the top of the pyramid. So if we have to do it, we got to start at the bottom. <laughs> and, and at the end of the day, that's my driving force for as far as partnerships and affiliations is how can we all move forward together? How how are these teams funded? I think again, the traditional model is going to be um, high dollar sponsors, you know, game day sponsorship, kit sponsorship, and then to a certain degree, game day revenue, whether it be tickets, concessions, beverages. How how are these clubs funding themselves? Uh, so Goldsboro is a very good good example of um, how sponsorships can be successful uh, uh, I, it, it's truly amazing how how many sponsorship Yakoba has been able to pull together for the strike eagles um, by looking into the community and becoming involved with the community because i believe and i think Yakoba shares this uh shares the agreement, agreement with me but that's how you live out this community club this grassroots club is not just like asking people for money but presenting yourself and and getting involved with community and growing those relationships and that's how i will be 
um, instructing or giving advice to clubs of how to grow their sponsorships will be to turn back to their city and seeing how they can get involved. Um, match day revenue is a uh, is, is is really the big uh, uh, money maker for as far as getting the money back in. It's the turnstiles, the clicks. They uh, it really drives uh, uh, a lot of the the funding. Um, another way is we're working on a couple of online stores for our um, our our clubs uh, to be able to provide uh, print on demand services for merchandise, shirts stickers, all that fun stuff, um, without the club having to take on the burden of inventory. If you, if I may, I would jump in a little bit, Tim, to just, um, just add on a little bit of, on what, you know, Zach said, he, 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 you know, clearly stated what exactly works. Um, one of the thing again, it's like, like I said, that these, um, uh, these teams can, uh, can, uh, can prosper, I, you know, some kind of sponsorship is like Zach said, you have got to get involved into your community. Uh, let me just take a simple example that would actually, you know, clarify that. So what we do uh, pretty much, we go from organizations to organizations like uh, the boys clubs, uh, boys and girls clubs here in, uh, in Goldsboro, uh, the YMCA, the, the medical uh, offices, the uh, the food producers, whatnot, call it. So you go to these guys and, and, and you simply say, hey, look, here's what, I, here's what I have to offer. For example, the, the YMCA. YMCA has a rec league every year, right? So we offer one, our, our players and coaches will be coaching in that rec league. That's a plus for the Y, that's a plus for us. Two, every single one of our players that would train the ref is going to be refing in that league. Mm -hmm. So what does the YMCA actually give us back? It might not be monetary, but I can guarantee you if you put it on paper, what we get back from the Y, it's a lot of money. Because what, what they would do is actually allow us to come into the Y twice a week and use the facility to actually train our players. How How can you not you know, I mean, there's, there's nothing. It's a win-win. Um, you go to, you know, a place like, uh, call it, I'm, I'm going to just take a, a simple example, like, um, uh, the, 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 uh, the altar food, for example. They do tortillas. Okay. So how is altar food is going to be able to be known all in North Carolina or in, in, in Goldsboro or in Wilson or it's just, you know, we just go to these places and when we play, we have an altar, you know, shirt before we actually start our game and we warm up with an altar shirt or whatever. I mean, it's just, you know, people would have to be creative, but mostly we will have to give back. You got to go to your community and do some kind of work. And, and, and present yourself to people as, you know, what you want to be. Um, you know, give back to kids, give back to your community, give back to uh, the, the people that are supporting you. Zach, when a, when a fan goes to a first flight league game next season, what do you, what do you want them to walk away from the game at, at full time? 90 minutes, ref blows the whistle, they're walking out of the stadium. What, what do you want them saying? First and foremost, that it was a good game and that they were 
thoroughly entertained. Uh, at the at the end of the day, it is a, a game, and it should be entertaining and competitive. Um, uh, I feel like this is a good opportunity to address the elephant in the room as far as next season goes. Uh, we are keeping COVID and the pandemic in mind. Um, we want to make sure that all fans are able, if fans are able to attend, it's in a safe way and abiding by all the, guide, all the guidelines. If it means we start a little bit later and if some leagues are potentially starting in May, we're, we'll be addressing those as they come along. Um, but I just want to make sure that everybody has a safe environment, um, an entertaining and competitive game to watch, and they walk away satisfied that the price of admission was um, comparable to the entertainment that they received. Zach, where can people find more information on the First Flight League? So the First Flight League website is firstflightleague.org. Um, find all the links to all of our social media from there. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And uh, we um, those are at at firstflight underscore nc um and uh we've re- recently refreshed all of the uh, social media aspects and have a new kind of a design motif that we're pulling from a new logo and uh so it's a great time to jump in and get in early on a very fun and special league that's forming Yukoba, zach thank you both i very much appreciate your time today um i know if i'm ever on the east end of the state, I am 100% going to make my way down to Goldsboro and try to catch a game. Um, Yokova, you're doing just amazing work in your community. I think you're setting a great example. I think one of the most special things that you're doing is is you're showing how it connecting to your community in Goldsboro is not going to be the same as connecting to your community in Asheville. Um, so I don't think it's an apples to apples comparison. But how it can be done, what it looks like, and more importantly, the impact that it can have on players like you described who who fall through the cracks, Um, a generation of front office, potential front office personnel, refs, coaches. Sir, you're you're doing the Lord's work, and I I look forward to following you. Uh, That is, I really appreciate your kind words, and that's really humbling, um, especially coming for you guys. Thank you for having us on the show, and uh, I'm looking forward to having you here in Goldsboro. There's a this there's some good um, uh, barbecue around here. Um, don't <laughs> oh, man, I was, don't I was wait. Don't, I was don't wait to music. come. I, I've been able to. I, you know, I, I try to take Zach, but he said he don't he don't hit none but fruit. <laughs> so I hope um, his wife um, is listening. She's doing a good job. <laughs> there, there's a there, there there's actually um uh, us us uh, the the slightly younger. Um, mid-range adults uh, would like to, would be happy to know that um, in Goldsboro there happens to be one of the few remaining um, uh, buffet pizza huts in operation. Um, yes, sir. <laughs> so it's a uh, must-go-to um, if you're ever in town in Goldsboro. Uh, you have to go stop by at the Pizza Hut and enjoy. The oh no! Nah, well, you, you let Tim know he's gonna have to make it if he doesn't. Now we bargain. Yakova, Zach, thank you guys so much, and uh, we'll catch up soon. Absolutely. Thank you. I guess that's why they call us the blues. Time on our hands could be time spent with bruise. Drinking like tourists.
You've been listening to the You're Smarter Than Us podcast. Shoot us an email at yoursmarterthanus at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at Y-O-U-R-E underscore smarter.